W.E.B. Du Bois famously observed in 1902 what may be called the problem of the problem. How does it feel to be a problem? He reports, being asked by a well-meaning but unknowing white acquaintance. He answered on behalf of all African Americans in book after book that charted the strange course of racial relations over the 19th and 20th centuries. The same question applies to his 19th century predecessor William Wells Brown, 1814 to 1884. For many decades now, Brown and all his names, personas, and fictionalized incarnations has been a problem. He was a problem at birth to his white father and cousins. He was a problem throughout his boyhood and adolescence to his slave masters. He was a problem to his colleagues, white and black, in the anti-slavery movement, and later, after the Civil War, to those in the temperance movement. He was a problem to defenders of slavery. He was a problem to audiences across the United States and the United Kingdom, the tens and tens of thousands of people who could not fathom the complexity or complexion of the man whose slyly humorous stories and understated homilies transfixed them. He was even a problem to himself. A man of such dramatic makeovers, he was neither wholly black nor wholly white, slave nor free, American nor English, creative nor professional. It is no wonder Brown often struggled to know how to take himself, to unify the wildly incongruous, disparate parts of his experience as he moved back and forth across the color line with a facility few others had. Finally, he has been a problem ever since his era to readers of American literature who know him, if they know him at all, only as a marginal writer of sundry books, not as the most pioneering and accomplished African-American writer and cultural impresario of the nineteenth century. Even those who do know him face a further complication, a writer who composed habitually in the autobiographical mode, no matter whether writing fiction or non-fiction, so fictionalized fact and history that it is impossible to draw a straight generic boundary around any of his works or to connect them simply to his actual life. Autobiography becomes history, and history becomes autobiography. Like their author, they are never quite what they seem. Nor are his books, which current scholarship is demonstrating he compiled, to one extent or another, by appropriating and remaking portions of other printed works, sometimes his, but many other times not. Brown has been a problem in a different, collective sense. Like African Americans historically, he has been an absence, an invisible man, moving about in a world of recorded presence. Until the post-Civil Rights era, the historical record of his native region, the South, and the nation, whitewashed away not just his presence, but also that of his people. To this day, the historical signage surrounding the municipal park in his boyhood home in Marthasville, Missouri, proudly identifies his master as the pioneer founder of the town, but makes no mention of Brown. Ironically, the signs are located on the premises on the very farm on which he grew up. The irony is greater yet. 
Brown was the leading African-American historian of his era, and devoted himself in one pioneering book after another to recording his people's presence in North America in common with people of European origin. As a student of the public record, whether engraved on public memorials or recorded in state archives, he so frequently encountered the pattern of deliberate or casual omission that he developed a term for it, colonization. Speaking to an African-American church congregation in 1854, shortly after returning home from a five-year self-exile in Great Britain, Brown described their common experience as one of being put on an experimental voyage, already of two hundred years' duration. The metaphor came out of an eventful life of journeys and travels, by river and ocean, 